It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, March 8, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The draft of the city's budget for next year is finally out, but a lot could change between now and when the budget is finalized later this spring. And this week, the Assembly was thrown another budget curveball with a miscommunication over school funding. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. When the Sitka Assembly met on Thursday, the group took a peek at the 66-page document full of fund balances and spreadsheets. The budget is always a lot to digest, but Finance Director Melissa Haley laid out the big question. The bottom line is a $1.9 million deficit. Uh, so it, I think one of the most core decisions we have to make is are we going to be moving forward with the existing level of services and hope that we start to see a recovery to, to revenue or do we make sig- significant cuts now? Haley said as it stands, they'll have to rely on reserves to balance the city's general fund budget next fiscal year. The current budget includes very few capital projects and the deferred maintenance costs for city infrastructure will continue to grow. She said lots of things can change between now and when the budget is finalized and more concrete information about federal stimulus money and tourism could lead to additional changes. And those changes can happen unexpectedly. At its last meeting, the Assembly voted to fund the Sitka School District to the cap, or the maximum allowed by state law, nearly $8 million. Historically, non-instructional costs like activities and travel are funded separately from the cap. But due to a clerical error in the school district's request to the city, non-instructional funding needs weren't budgeted separately. So now the schools are short over half a million in funding. Superintendent John Holst said that meant travel and extracurricular activities could be on the chopping block. And he apologized to the assembly for the miscommunication around the school district's funding needs. It's on me that I didn't go back and check those numbers inside of that motion that was made last Thursday night. I feel badly that we've gotten to this point. I think our board members were very much um, enjoying the relationship that seems to have developed, and we are certainly not wanting to do anything that's going to jeopardize that. That probably is more important than the budget, frankly. One bit of good news? Holst said they were relieved to discover earlier that day that their insurance costs would not increase this year after all. The district is anticipating laying off teachers and dipping into reserves to cover next year's budget deficit. School board president Amy Morrison said they were trying to figure out other solutions to shore up the difference. They're hopeful that more federal stimulus money could provide some padding. That being said, we are trying to figure out how to go forward from here. We don't want to just come to you and say, please give us more money. We want to figure out, you know, what other options we have. The assembly made no changes to the general fund budget or school funding on Thursday, but it will have several opportunities to review the budget and make changes over the next two months. The budget will likely be finalized in May. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Since 1999, more than 40 schools in Alaska have closed because of low enrollment numbers. Almost all of them were in remote places where schools are central to keeping small communities connected. The southeast town of Port Alexander has struggled with low enrollment numbers for years. But as KCAW's Erin McKinstry reports, they're turning to a creative solution to keep their school alive. Port Alexander sits on the southeastern shore of Baranoff Island, about 65 miles from Sitka. It's only accessible by float plane or small boat. According to the last census, the remote fishing community has just 52 year-round residents 
down from thousands in the early 20th century. Their school's enrollment numbers have dwindled too. This last year, they had nine students. Sherry Becker is the superintendent of the Southeast Island School District, which includes Port Alexander and six other remote schools. She says that number is particularly troubling because schools need at least 10 students to qualify for state funding to run the school. It's a story she knows well. 20 years ago, the district had almost twice as many schools as it does now. I've seen numerous communities just shrivel. You know, people leave because there's not a school. That's where all the functions happen. The district is footing the bill to keep the school open, paying for a teacher and a few staff without state reimbursement. But Becker and Port Alexander residents knew that wasn't sustainable long term. They looked at foster care and foreign exchange students as a way to increase enrollment. After a series of community meetings, they settled on an idea for a magnet school, open to students within the district, Alaska, and the lower 48. And it's always kind of been my dream that, you know, we have foreign exchange students, but why can't we have national exchange students or Alaska exchange students where they just come and experience different cultures and different environments? And the culture and environment in Port Alexander is very different from most places in the country. For starters, the school has just two classrooms, one for elementary students and one for middle and high schoolers. So this is our architectural class. Um, and the kids are learning to read blueprints. When I joined the class over Zoom, teacher's aide Molly Kimsey is working with four students to build a model house out of balsa wood. It's a practical skill in a place where many people build their own homesteads. A lot of people raise animals here in town. What kind of animals do you guys have? Quail. 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 And chickens. And chickens. Dogs. Well, okay, we're not raising dogs. When community members sat down to design their magnet school, they wanted to fold in skills necessary to life in an off-grid fishing town. Things like wood gathering and fixing small engines. And learning about the forest and marine environments that sustain them. Julia Trishman will serve as the lead teacher for the Alaska Alexander Archipelago Tongass and Tidal Science Academy. We thought, oh well, we all love sciences. We love living hardy. And so what if we, you know, use our wonderful, pristine wilderness in Port Alexander to teach kids science and how to survive in the wilderness. The Magnet School's nine-week pilot program starts in the fall and will offer up to five high school students free academic courses as well as housing with a local host family. Whether the idea will keep Port Alexander's school alive is yet to be seen. Other schools in the region, like Tenakee Springs, have fought similar battles in recent years and lost. But a handful of students have already expressed interest in Port Alexander's Magnet School, and several families in the town do have small children. The teacher's aide, Molly Kimsey, says it's not just about the kids. The school serves as a hub for community events like holiday potlucks and bingo tournaments. We want to make sure that the kids can still get a good quality education but still be at their home communities. Um, they could, we could all move to other places for education, but that really kind of kills the community when there's no school there. The magnet school idea is a new one for the Southeast Island School District, but if all goes according to plan, it will serve as a model for other schools around the region. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. A Dunleavy administration initiative to close half a dozen DMVs could double the price of renewing a driver's license in communities served by the private vendors that would replace them. Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports. 
Does state-run DMVs in Haines, Homer, Valdez, Toke, Delta Junction, and Eagle River would be eliminated under a plan presented Thursday by Department of Administration Commissioner Kelly Chewbacca. We're all in this really challenging time of having to span a $2 billion budget gap. And so this is a, a creative proposal from our department to try to do that without significantly changing services to Alaskans. The agency pledged to avoid layoffs. And Chewbacca says the state would still collect its normal fees, but allow a vendor to charge extra. The way a private partner runs is they offer the DMV services, but they offer a service charge on top of them. That's how they stay in business as a private business. But members of the Senate Transportation Committee had a lot of questions on how that would work in practice, even those who campaigned on cutting the state budget. Fairbanks Republican Senator Robert Myers says that under the current law, truck drivers like him wouldn't be able to use the private contractors. I have a CDL and I can't uh, renew that online, nor can I renew it through one of the private companies such as UMV. That's just one example of another thing that uh, is not done online that, that uh, does happen. And in my case, it's every five years. So it's uh, a little bit more concerning for me personally. I know I'm not the only one. Chewbacca suggested the legislature could change the law and allow more services to be offered online. And while closing DMVs might save the state some overhead, Alaskans in those specific communities could end up paying more. According to examples provided to the committee, the $20 cost of renewing a driver's license would increase to $45. The $40 cost for a real ID compliant license would double to $80. A vendor would charge $10 for a practice test that's freely given at a state-run DMV. Wasilla Republican Senator Mike Schauer says he's in favor of private partnerships that reduce state bureaucracy, but he says he's concerned about higher costs for Alaskans. That is some fairly significant cost increases um, over what they pay for a state-run service. Juno Democratic Senator Jesse Keel says he doesn't follow the logic of rolling out public-private partnerships in relatively small communities. So help me understand the reasoning that we've gone to six in the middle instead of uh, the, the biggest cities, if this is, if this is really s no great inconvenience to, to regular Alaskans. The commissioner replied that this modestly scaled plan had already received pushback. This has been a pretty controversial proposal just in the magnitude that it is. Uh, I think it'd be pretty hard if we put a major city on here for anyone to take this as an innovative proposal that it is. If you'd like us to come back and consider something larger, we'd be happy to introduce that to you. Legislators say they've heard from constituents concerned that closures in their community would force them to drive more than 100 miles to the DMV. But residents of Haines won't have that option. The closest DMV is in Juneau, which is only accessible by plane or ferry. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Mm -hmm.